Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, folks. Welcome to another special Bears off-season podcast for those of us here at ChicagoFootball.com. And this one is extra special because we got everyone here in the studio, myself, Kevin Fishbane, Arthur Arkish, and Hub Arkish. Of course, our executive producer, Dan Mott. And a shout-out to Humphreys McGee's, Arthur's good friends, and great band for that awesome intro song. Be sure to check out all of our content at chicagofootball.com follow us on twitter at bears underscore insider i'm at k fishbane he's at arthur arkish and he's at hub underscore arkish we're gonna talk a little bears free agency today we are oh seven eight weeks out from free agency opening talk a little about the senior bowl getting the nfl draft and then we'll uh, finish with the conference championship weekend preview some people's favorite uh, day uh, sports day of the year when you get the two conference title games on the same day. I love division round weekend, which was last weekend, and it certainly lived up to. We'll we'll recap a couple of those games as well. Um, but we want to talk about oh eight or nine Bears players today. This is a Bears podcast after all, and uh, recap if we think they should be brought back. We took a week off last week from the podcast. Um, Arthur, did you have a nice week off from the podcast? It was lovely. Yeah, I don't really remember what I was doing. Probably watching uh, Spencer and working on the Draft Magazine, which I guess we could take a second to plug. We'll be on newsstands uh, roughly a month from now, 2016 Draft Magazine. You definitely are going to want to pick it up for all the best scouting reports and team needs, feature stories, all kinds of good stuff in there for you. How about ask you if you missed the podcast, but you're, you're on the radio enough. You didn't have to... Honestly, not being a regular, I didn't realize I had a week off from the podcast, but uh, it is certainly good to be back. I, Arthur looked pretty upset when you in, interrupted the Humphreys lead-in, but other than that, I think we'll be good. Hey, I'm just going to the queue my producer here, so you know, I never want to really want, want to interrupt it. But also, Hub, if I interrupted that song with one second to go, Arthur would be offended. Mm-hmm. So I've only seen it live about, what, roughly 40 or 50 times. So if I don't hear it? one minute of the studio version, uh, I'm probably going to lose sleep. Well, on the uh, last episode, by the way, for those of you who tuned in, when we are off, we'll, we'll bring back a special player interview. So uh, thanks to those of you who listened last week. We had Kyle Long, and conveniently the day after we posted it, he was named to his third Pro Bowl. So, Kyle, you're welcome for that good karma. We got other interviews, Mark Mariani, Zach Miller, Josh Bellamy, Jarvis Jenkins will play throughout the winter when we're uh, taking a week off. But uh, last episode we were here, we talked about Matt Forte and Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, But there's other players that the Bears are going to have to decide, uh, are they going to bring these guys back? Are they going to let them walk in free agency? So we're going to start this show by breaking down each one. And I'm going to let Arthur and Hub kind of play Ryan Pace here. Uh, and decide is this would this guy be back and, and what kind of deal would it take you think
think, uh, to bring this player back in the fold. And let's start with Tracy Porter, because I think if you look at all the free agents just based on production this past year, after Forte and Jeffrey, it would be Tracy Porter, who, to the surprise of some, thought he deserved to be in the Pro Bowl. And there were times this year that he looked like a Pro Bowl player, specifically in Green Bay. How about I'll go to you first. I think Tracy Porter's play tailed off at the end, obviously an extensive injury history, but he's not that old. And cornerback's a position of need, so you're Ryan Pace. How do you handle this uh, Tracy Porter situation? Well, let me start with both sides of the Tracy Porter Pro Bowl story. Uh, on one hand, and guys, you know this, I love Kyle Long. He, he may be my favorite player in the National Football League, but if that was a Pro Bowl performance he gave this season, then the game just isn't the game anymore. Uh, so by those standards, Tracy Porter probably did deserve to be in the Pro Bowl. The flip side of it, though, is when you look in the quarterbacks around the NFL and what he did, he came up short of a Pro Bowl performance. And to go a step further, if you'd have asked me this question week 12, week 13, I would have said, yeah, do what you got to do to get the guy back on a two, three, even four-year deal. The way he finished the season – He's a guy. Uh, he had four or five really good games for the Bears. He made some big plays. He's got a long history of injury problems. He's bounced around the league. I think if you can get him at favorable terms on a two- or three-year deal, you do it, but you certainly don't break the bank or come up with big money for Tracy Porter. And we can't forget, you know, credit to him. I believe he played in the final 14 games, which for him was a huge step after the offseason of uh, injury issues with the hamstring he dealt with. We weren't even sure if he was going to get a spot on the 53-man roster. But that is a big part of this evaluation for Ryan Pace. Yes, he stayed healthy this year, although clearly he ran out of gas, uh, you know, as the season wore on. They have to figure out if that was an aberration or if this is the healthy guy who will be able to play, I think it would be just his second 16-game season of his career next year. Uh, and I think working in the Bears' favor, if you look, take a quick list. Uh, excuse me, a quick look at the list of free agent cornerbacks. It's loaded. It may be the best position. So um, there's a lot of guys that are going to garner a lot more attention than Porter. Maybe that'll work in the Bears' favor. And that also probably tells me that Porter's not going to get a whole lot of money anywhere else. And he actually, in his whole career, he's never gotten a multi-year deal. Uh, at least he might have got one early on, and then he was cut early from that deal. Maybe that was either Oakland or Washington. So, you know, this is kind of new territory for him. But he, he, I thought, had a good impact on Kyle Fuller. You know, Tracy Porter is very big on studying the game, and I think the coaches made it seem like that's something Kyle Fuller improved upon as the year went on. Uh, but you look elsewhere at that position, we don't really know how good Kyle Fuller can be yet at corner. Uh, we There's Bryce Callahan. Uh, and, you know, that's that's really where they're at right now. So, you know, it, it depth-wise, it would make sense to bring him back, but he certainly should have to probably compete for a starting job because, Arthur, as you mentioned, go sign somebody or, you know, hub. I'm not sure yet about the cornerbacks in the draft, but that's a, certainly a spot that you could put up there as one of the Bears' needs to go draft one. Well, I don't think there's any question about it. I mean, Bryce Callahan's going to be the nickel, and I think that'll be fine. I thought he was a bit of a revelation uh, in his rookie year as an undrafted rookie free agent. If he can stay healthy and stay on the field, you're in good shape shape there. Kyle Fuller's improvement was in coach speak only as far as I'm concerned. And when you look for the big plays, when you look for the great coverage, look for the things he did on the field, you're not going to find him on the tape. He, he was okay. He wasn't awful. He's very physical. I like the way he plays the run. He's got good ball skills. He's not particularly good in coverage. He plays very soft. So now if you bring Tracy Porter back, that's fine, but if those are your two starting corners, you're pretty mediocre at a position in a division where you've got one big-time receiver after another coming after you, and, and it's just not good enough. So um, I think the Bears have to take a look at re-signing Tracy Porter and take a look at that list of other quality corners available in free agency. Could they draft one high? 
yes, they could. They have such great needs in other areas that I'd be surprised. I mean, unless there is just nothing to man the inside linebacker, the pass rush spot, the offensive line, then maybe you can take a you know a corner uh, as high as eleven. But but from what we've seen, um, you know, I, I don't know. That there's always depth at the cornerback position in the draft. There's going to be one kid who comes off the board top five, and then it's going to fall off. And I just don't know. They're kind of where they were when they drafted Fuller, actually, because some people thought that might have been a little high, a little rich at fourteen, and and. So far, what you've gotten out of them, you haven't gotten what you'd like to get out of the 14th pick in the draft. Let's uh, continue on the list here, flip to the offensive side of the ball, but uh, similar in terms of production. And I think this is an easy one in terms of if you were Ryan Pace, what do you do here? Um, But a curious one, depending on his position, that's Zach Miller. Uh, Zach Miller stepped up big time for this team with his touchdown catches. You look to the game winner in San Diego. Uh, You look at when he he became the full-time tight end after Martellus Bennett went on IR, showed that he's improved his blocking. He's not going to ever be known for it. And here's someone that has... Clearly, he wants to be uh, in Chicago. He's made that pretty apparent. Uh, Arthur, I'll start with you. Seems like an easy one here, maybe a two-year small-money deal for Zach Miller. Yeah, I think so. I mean, he was a a huge asset on the field, particularly after Martellus Bennett's disappointing season concluded. Uh, He's a big-time asset in the locker room. I think he's got a good rapport with Jay Cutler that you saw kind of blossom as they uh, had a chance to work together more last season. And... Unfortunately, like Tracy Porter, unfortunately for Zach Miller because he's a nice guy, I know he's a a friend of the program, um, his injury background is going to be part of the evaluation as well. So maybe there's a team-friendly deal uh, to be had to the Bears who kind of were the ones that gave him his opportunity. But I think we'll all agree it's kind of tough to assess uh, the level of need with Zach Miller until we know what goes on with Martellus Bennett, and that's not going to precede this free agent decision kind of complicating matters. I asked Zach Miller uh, on locker cleanout day, you know, are you looking forward to taking what you did this year in a career year and seeing what's open in the open market, what's available? And he kind of laughed. He goes, you know what? I've learned from my experience in the NFL in this league, the grass is not always greener. He's comfortable in Chicago. He wants to be in Chicago. Hub, what else kind of goes into this decision making making for Ryan Pace? And if if Martellus Bennett is not coming back, you know, I don't necessarily think Zach Miller should should be your number one every down tight end. You still would need to go get somebody else, right? Well, you can't, based on his injury history, count on him to be your number one 16-week every down tight end. Uh, I think he emerged as a great number two option, though. I think that he improved his blocking, his run blocking, but he's not the kind of quality run blocker you want for your starter for an inline tight end. And, and yet you look at the Bears' situation. Guys, I can't imagine why they wouldn't have them both back. I mean, you have so many needs in so many other areas. The one place you're in pretty good shape is if you're number one with Marty Bennett and number two with Zach Miller at tight end, then you can keep a Kari Lee or you can plug in another kid. Um, if Marty Bennett is gone, you've absolutely got to bring Zach Miller back. So I think either way, it, it plays well for Miller. Uh, you know, small money is always a relative term in the NFL. I don't, I don't know what small money is going to be for for a guy who projects as a is a quality pass catching number two tight end. Uh, he's 31 years old. My guess is that he does not want a one year deal. I would think that the key would be to get two or three years with some money guaranteed. I would think if they gave a three-year deal and guaranteed him four or five million bucks that certainly fits well in their cap doesn't matter what the rest of it is it's the guaranteed dollars I, I don't see any reason he wouldn't be back and it, Alshon Jeffries the only one of this free agent class for the Bears that is going to command big money whether it's in a franchise tag or a long-term deal because even if they bring back Mac Forte I'm not going to get back into that conversation that's not going to be a huge contract and you look at these lists of guys I'm going to go to my next one here Jarvis Jenkins is another player that 
started off the season well. It's a position of need at five technique. You know, a, a well-liked guy in the locker room, but his that production tailed off as the year went on. That's someone that's not command a whole lot of money. Hub, where, you know, is that someone that you think, at least just for depth, you try to bring back? I like Jarvis a lot personally. I think what happened there is teams got some tape on him after three, four, five weeks, and the gig was up. You know, he hadn't really consistently been on the field in Washington. Um, he's a nice player, as you point out, a good guy in the locker room, but certainly not the future of what Vic Fangio wants this defense to be. If he's back, it's on a one-year deal. I, I don't see him getting a multi-year deal. Would he come back on another one-year prove-it deal that probably wouldn't be much more than a million, million and a half? Uh, I don't know if somebody else is going to pay him more. So, you know, the unfortunate reality of this, guys, is we're talking about a lot of players who aren't going to have a high-demand market for right. him. And, and so maybe that plays to the Bears' favor. I, I would be disappointed if Zach Miller wasn't back. I'm not sure it moves the needle that much one way or the other if Jarvis Jenkins isn't back. And, Arthur, with this this is one of those positions, too. We're going to get to Shane McClellan in a moment, but defensive end is a spot that you got to imagine is going to be very high on the priority list when it comes to draft time. And if they're able to get a high-impact play right away, five technique in the first or second or third round, someone that could start, they're going to go get him to pair with Eddie Goldman. So, you know, they could – bring Jenkins back as just kind of a role rotation player and still have him maybe help groom some of these guys. But if you bring him back, you you don't necessarily want to bring him back as a starter necessarily, right? I think that's the key. You talk about a rotational guy. Uh, he has been a starter in this league, started 15 games last year. Uh, but we have to remember Mitch Unrein is another guy. I'm not sure if he's going to be on the list or for discussion today, but he's another free agent that the Bears think highly of. And like you said, I think uh, you know inside linebacker and five technique are 1A and 1B in terms of draft needs. So uh, in one more name just to throw out there because it just it, it, it hit me yesterday. I, I noticed it. Malik Jackson is a, is a Bronco who played under John Fox. Denver elected to give the wolf kid the the big deal and apparently they're going to let jackson test the market uh there's a guy that if they want to cross some needs off the list before they even get to the draft uh someone else to consider who may be an upgrade over jarvis jenkins i had somebody in a live in our live chat today which you could see on chicagofootball.com in case you missed it said to me how do you feel if the bears draft reggie ragland then sign Danny Trevathan and Malik Jackson. So he has really thought this one out for Ryan Pace. But, I mean, he's doing the John Fox connect the dot game, and we'll do a little bit of that on our website when we get into uh, February and early March, kind of trying to predict where the Bears go in free agency. You know, one thing I think Bears fans need to keep in mind, though, because we're going to start trying, as you say, to connect the dots and have one-on-one equal to – Malik Jackson and Danny Trevathan are nice complementary players. They're they're not the guys you're going to build this defense around. You took a five and eleven butt whooping this year. You've got your young people playing. You've got another draft class. The idea is to bring in outstanding young talent who can be better NFL players than Danny Trevathan and Malik Jackson. So I'm not ruling out those names. I'm not. I mean, clearly Trevathan's an upgrade over Shane McClellan, but it's also not really the answer you're looking for. And and that's why I can see the Bears bringing back a lot of these people on one year deals. And focusing on the draft, on the undrafted rookie free agents. I think it's pretty clear, and I know Bears fans don't want to hear this, everybody hoped for a two-year turnaround because it happens in the NFL. The Bears were so far behind with the horrible drafting of Phil Emery and even the remnants of the Jerry Angelo last couple drafts that it's, it's a three-year deal best case for them. Can I just uh, 
quickly interject here because I, I happen to disagree with Hub. I think Malik Jackson has star power. We haven't seen it yet, but he just turned 26 years old. To me, it would be very – and we're getting off topic, I understand here, but these are the kind of guys that I think Ryan Pace needs to look for. It was Pernell McPhee last season at age 26, had never really been a full-time starter. Jackson was for the first time last year. So I just think his ceiling may be a little higher than Hub's, but I think we're on the same page as to where you're obviously looking for core players, which is what this defense is severely lacking right now. You don't have to be so polite. Well, I mean, dis- point when you disagree. Yeah, you can disagree, <laughs> but point counter point actually, Pernell McPhee wasn't a full time starter for the same reasons he wasn't in Baltimore. So you know, we're still waiting to see. I like McPhee; that was a good signing. There's no question about that. Uh, I've I've done a bunch of Jackson's games. He's a nice player. There's no question about that. I really was kind of focused more on Danny Trevathan than Malik Jackson. Malik Jackson's a clear upgrade over what you have, right. but is he a guy that you're going to build a defensive front around? I don't know that I've seen that. And we'll see if if, if Ryan Pace is going to try and do that in free agency because he's already cautioned us there isn't going to be any home run signings. The Muhammad Wilkerson's unlikely to happen. So we'll see if he gets off script, but uh, there may not even be a splash signing to the degree of what Pernell McPhee was last year. And one more thought here, guys. If Ryan Pace is going to be the answer i think it's really important for him not to concede to just go get john fox guys i mean you don't just look at denver i mean you're looking at the whole nfl you're looking at the whole just because these guys did some things for fox in denver that doesn't make them you know good choices for the chicago bears if i'm ryan pace and what about his own familiarity to that point new orleans is gonna and i'm not saying there's a lot of buildable pieces there (laughs) but there are gonna be some cap casualties there i haven't looked at the roster enough but just staying with the familiarity theme perhaps that's an area they'd look Let's. Uh, I'll give you guys. Uh, we'll just do thumbs up, thumbs down on this one because Arthur mentioned him. Mitch Unrein, kind of along the Jarvis Jenkins line, doesn't hurt you to just bring him back as a rotational player, right? It's a one-year deal. I would much rather have. If I got to choose between the two, I would much rather have Unrein. He made a lot more plays. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I don't. And as a fullback. Yeah, and again, I mean, and and he, I think he's uh, what they've scored every time he's been on the field in yeah. offense, which is obviously a fun stat. But as a defensive fourth or fifth defensive lineman, he was valuable in the rotation. Jenkins was invisible the second half of the season. And Unrein will be the first to tell you his strength isn't rushing the passer yet. Who did you see in that nickel role late in the season as one of the two inside guys? It was off and unrind so that's a credit to him for kind of taking on a bigger role and uh, you know he's not a, a spring chicken I think he's gonna be 28 or 29 but there's a familiarity there it makes all the sense in the world to bring him back all right let's talk about Shay McClellan because it, it's interesting to think that you know I don't know how much free indices will do on this show in terms of the Bears moving forward but if Shay McClellan signs with somebody else on March 18th that could be the end of us talking about Shay McClellan so I think we need to savor every moment we have <laughs> to talk about Shay McClellan and all those disruptions he had if you ask me in week 9 uh, or whenever that Rams game was the one game he made a play with the fumble <laughs> if he was coming back I'd say you know what give him give him 2 years 4 million dollars inside there's not a ton of inside linebackers every year it's a weird position they obviously like him you'll maybe make him compete for a starting job there's no harm in it, but the way he played at the end of the season, his injury history now has been an issue the past year and a half. I I wonder, I I feel like they just, they can just move on and and find somebody else. The thing that just kept coming back to me is that Vic Fangio talked so highly about Shane McClellan and Fangio was the first coach to, I'm going to use the word rip. He would rip guys in coach speak the way he would talk about certain players. He didn't really do that with McClellan until the end. But I'm starting to wonder if he's going to be back next year. Hub, how do you see that playing out? 
Well, first of all, I'm going to disagree with you. I think that wherever he signs on March 15th, we'll spend the next year, two or three, talking about what Shimaclon does or doesn't do. Well, he uh, could, you know, I can yeah. see him yeah. signing with the Patriots yeah. and having nine sacks next year. Well, because Bell, that's Bill his Bell position. Effect. He should be playing outside right. rush linebacker. That's the only thing anybody ever scouted him as until Phil Emery decided he was a hand on the ground end, and then Vic Fangio decided he was going to be an inside backer. I would, I would ask you to think back, though, about all the comments that Vic made about him. I don't ever remember Fangio bringing him up or pointing out Shea played a good game, or Shea did this. It was right. always in response yeah. to. And, and so I have too much respect for Vic Fangio as an outstanding defensive coordinator to believe that he saw things he liked in the performance he got from Shea McClellan this year. I don't have a clue whether they're going to bring him back or not. I would not. I think it's got to be an important message to the locker room. And by the way, Shea's probably one of the most popular kids in the locker room. He's one of my favorites. He's a great guy. He's just not a good football player. And, and I think they've got to get the message to these players. We don't care if you're a first-round pick. If you can't play, we're going to get somebody better. And I think it would be a mistake to bring him back. It's an interesting point by Hub about uh, Vic having to be pressed on Shea before he'd ever offer up any of those compliments. But I still have it stuck in my head. He, he, he was asked, it was a direct response, is Shea a kid you want to continue to work with, a, con, a kid con, to continue molding after the season? And, and he said yes. So um, I'm in agreement with Hub. I, I take it a step further. I think it would be a pretty discouraging sign, and I, I, I like Shea a lot too. And I think for all the flack that he has taken, a lot of it kind of undeservingly because he was overdrafted to begin with, he's taken it all in stride like a professional. But I think it would be a little bit of a discouraging sign on behalf of Ryan Pace if that was the evaluation they came to uh, that Shea was a the guy they wanted to have back because I, I just don't see it at all. All due respect to you guys because you're slightly older than me. I'm not going to call Shea McClellan a kid because he's only two years younger than me. <laughs> but uh, you guys can go ahead and do that. I'm a little more than slightly older than you, Kevin. But that's a, say slightly. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, it, slightly it, older than your father. <laughs> the other thing about McClellan too, special teams. The only I, I think he was only a part of maybe the punt return or punt coverage group. I mean, it's not like he's going to be a special teams guy for you. So. But he'll be an interesting one. He's been a polarized. He was. He hasn't even been polarized in this town. But uh, you know, he's a type of guy in terms of Chris Conti. Yes, that I'm. I wonder. He probably might want to get out of town and go try to try a, a new place somewhere else. And that worked well for Chris Connie. He had a very respectable season in Tampa, but that's an interesting point that I hadn't thought of. If Shea is going to be brought back to compete for a starting job, not as a kind of penciled-in starter, which, of course, he shouldn't be, he's going to have to play on special teams, obviously. That's a key position uh, to help fill out that third phase, so that would kind of be another knock against him coming back, I think. Yeah, Conti was so good in Tampa, he got Lovey fired again. It's a, no, I'm just kidding. He was okay. He's another good kid. He also finished the season on the injured list, and, and he's Chris Conti. It's a, um, Shea, listen, I think the biggest thing here that we're all agreeing on is I, I worry about the message that you're sending if you give this guy a new contract for the kind of galactic failure that he's been to this point. Sorry, guys. Big news in the football world. Bo, Bo Hardigree. Do you guys know who Bo Hardigree is? Rings a bell. He was the Bears' yeah. offensive assistant last year, okay. oh, and yeah. he's now the Miami Dolphins quarterback's coach with Adam Gase. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty nice promotion to go from offensive assistant that – the three people who cover the team on a regular basis couldn't think of who he was, <laughs> yes. the quarterbacks coach in Miami. There's, I, there could be some other guys also that uh, go with Adam Gase to Miami. I don't know if we talked about Adam Gase in this podcast um, going to the Miami Dolphins, but that, we can do that another time. Uh, all right, one uh, one more guy I want to talk a little bit in depth about uh, would be Mark Mariani uh, because I, I think he is in that Mitch Unrein, Jarvis Jenkins realm where no harm bringing him back. You can do it with the minimum deal let him compete a returner. I think he certainly showed his worth down the stretch as a third down receiver. 
I think in an ideal offense, he's your number five wide out. Um, but you, I, I don't think there's any harm in trying to bring him back. He's not someone's command a lot of money, certainly on the market. Hub, what do you think? I would absolutely bring him back to compete as my fourth or fifth wide out, my number two guy in the slot. But I would not bring him back as my returner. I would bring back lots of competition for that. He, I mean, I know he went to a Pro Bowl doing it, but he just, at least this year, he didn't look good at it, okay? I, I, I'm kind of curious about Deontay Thompson, who I think will be back. He's a restricted rights free agent, so unless they don't want him, he's going to be here. Um, I think that he also can compete for that fifth or sixth wide receiver spot, but to me was a lot more exciting returning kickoffs. I think you got to find a new punt returner, but I would bring Mariani back because I liked what I saw of him in the slot when he was put out there out of necessity towards the end of the season. I think it finally changed in that last game because he had career high in catches, but up until that last game, I want to say every single catch of his, or maybe every one but one, went for a first down. Um, so certainly knew had a notes for the first down line. Let's wrap this segment up. I'm going to give you three more guys. Uh, how many guys? No, two two more guys. Just give me yes or no and a little bit more. Uh, Sam Acho. Arthur, yes, no, he comes back. Should they bring him back? Uh, they should bring him back to compete. I mean, he's clearly – he would be the number four option even as the outside linebacker position is currently configured. But uh, I thought he played a big role on special teams, a special teams unit that actually did improve throughout the season. So on another uh, you know, slightly above a veteran minimum deal, I, I don't see the harm in bringing him back. An honest evaluation is that he's very similar to Jarvis Jenkins. Yeah. He, you know, he, he was a factor in the preseason. Early in the season, didn't make a lot of plays as the year went on. I'd bring him back to compete on another one-year deal, but I certainly wouldn't give him a multi-year deal. And last one on this list, uh, Sheriff Manis. I think if you bring him back just to play special teams, you can do that. The punt coverage improved a lot as the year went on. Um, I'm, not, I'm sure I think they might be done, certainly with the Sheriff Manis cornerback experiment. I would hope so. Uh, Bryce Callahan, that was how that revelation came to be. So uh, exact same situation as Acho. I think McManus led the, the Bears in special teams tackles, so he has clearly uh, you know, proven his worth there. But, um, yeah, the slot corner, outside corner, that, that's not happening for sure. You know, depending on whose rankings you want to buy, I saw Arthur tweeting the Goose Gosselin uh, uh, you know, special teams report that the Bears were better than we thought. I don't think they were better than we thought. I like Goose, but I I, I, I know his, his rankings are highly respected. Um, I, I mean, I'm okay if you bring him back to be your principal gunner on special teams, but if you think you're bringing him back to compete for a nickel spot or even a safety spot, he, he can't cover. I mean, not, not at this level. So if he's going to be your principal gunner, if he's going to be one of those two or three special teamers that you're paying just to do that, then fine. But, but don't bring him back with the idea that he's got to play defensive back to, to make the team. And the problem with those Dallas Morning News ratings, which everyone should check out because they're a good resource, yeah, if nothing good. else, is that it doesn't take into account high leverage situations. The Robbie Gold misses at the wire and um, the you know the, uh, the the penalty on the, what was it, Bryce Callahan punt return touchdown trickeration situation. So it doesn't take those into consideration. That's why a lot of Bears fans were so confused. But Robbie Gold's field goals made a career year and Deontay Thompson kick returner those are just raw stats that are going to contribute to that ranking yeah just to make this as clear as I can Rich Goslin's one of the best football writers in the country he's a friend and his special teams rankings are looked at by the teams they, they are highly respected but they're like all other statistics I mean you can find ways to make them work for you you can find ways to make them work against you and the Bears special teams do need improvement so getting rid of your best coverage guy may not be the wisest move I'm just impressed Hub said he saw that I tweeted that how's that that means Hub actually is on Twitter from time to time uh, about once a month, I check it out. <laughs> yeah, it's good a, timing. Happen to be the day. Yeah, okay. it's a, there you go. <laughs> Um, all right, how we're going to... Now uh, you just tipped everything. Yeah. I, not everybody knows that I'm not doing most of my own tweeting, but I'm I do some sure of the, they didn't know the, that. the clever ones, guys, the, the, the ones that make you snicker. I think those are mine. 
I, I would never be able to emulate uh, Hub Snark. So that that's 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 purely original. Hub, we're going to. Uh, I get hammered on Twitter for my uh, uh, Jared Allen, uh, Cortland Finnegan tweet on Sunday. Um, no, actually, I don't think you did. Well, I think knowledgeable much. football people would agree with me. Yeah. <laughs> that's the most impressive thing about the Panthers winning that game Sunday. They did it playing nine guys on defense because Finnegan and Allen might as well have not been on the field. And I feel bad. I know Jared got hurt. He's a great guy. I, you know, that's too bad. I'm sorry he broke his foot. But 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 his principal role in that game Sunday was to wave his arms at the crowd. And the Bears I, got I a six-round draft pick for they him. They did. They did. Uh, Hub, before you go, um, your conference championship winners for this weekend. You know, I, I got to go with New England just because Brady is so far ahead of Manning at this point. And I think New England had him beaten Denver if it wasn't for the Gronk injury and the bad officiating. So I think they'll get a, find a way to get it done. I am really torn on, on the Carolina-Arizona game. I can make arguments for both sides, but I do think the best players on the field are going to be Kwan Short, Luke Keekley, Thomas Davis, Starlo Tulele. Uh, I, I think that Carolina, the middle of that defense is something special so i'm gonna take the panthers at home all right panthers and uh patriots from Habarkish. there's uh there's your picks and uh we'll talk a little bit about the uh senior bowl now and uh for those of you by the way if you didn't listen if you're listening now and you say why did they just talk about the bears free agents and not talk about alshon jeffrey matt forte just go listen to the last episode and you can hear uh, way too much detail about those guys uh arthur let's go a quick news update here so TMZ Sports says, TMZ I should say, says that Lance Briggs's Porsche was found crashed into a bartender school at 5.40 a.m. To which Lance Briggs responded, feel free to report the facts anytime. I Ubered home, but why report the truth when a lie is more appealing, right? Can um, we check the timestamp on that story? This sounds eerily familiar. <laughs> this to do a car being on the, the other thing. It was a Lamborghini in the highway. Yeah. I kind of joked that when Lance Brooks' time with the Bears was up, I was wondering if, like, in one of his last press conference, someone would just ask, Lance, what happened? <laughs> this is it. You know, give us your chance. But So we're just here to give you the breaking news as it comes to us here on a Wednesday afternoon. Of course, by the time you listen, that might be uh, old news. Was that in Chicago? Is that say? Uh, I, yes, I believe so. Okay. Uh, all right. Let's. Um, so Arthur and I are going down to Mobile. Very excited. Senior Bowl. Can get some good barbecue food, get a little sun, uh, and and watch some uh, some college football players, maybe some future Bears down there. Uh, guys drafted or, or who are on the Bears, who were in the Senior Bowl last year, you got Jeremy Lankford, uh, Adrian Amos, who I embarrassingly didn't even know he was at the Senior Bowl. I kind of wish I had noticed him during the week last year. Uh, uh, Anthony Jefferson, who spent the year on injured reserve, uh, was also in the Senior Bowl last year. So uh, the Bears certainly – understand the importance of it and uh you know we don't know the the rosters so much but uh you know each day we're down there we'll you know we're going to look at guys at positions of need we just talked about some of them inside linebacker uh defensive end five technique uh safety corner i always love watching the quarterbacks here arthur it was fun a few years ago russell wilson and Kirk cousins were the clear best quarterbacks in their class and to see the way they played um especially cousins this year uh and and you know look i I still wouldn't rule out the Bears drafting a quarterback in the later rounds, and, and one of these quarterbacks who's going to be mobile could be that guy. It's kind of a weird quarterback class. Uh, what kind of positions, what are you looking forward to uh, from our trip besides all of our quality time that we're going to spend together? <laughs> yeah, this will be my second senior bowl, so I was able to kind of pop the cherry last year and had a blast, and I agree with you. Evaluating the quarterbacks is uh, fun. 
A, because even, you know, the novel kind of watcher can do it. It's easy to see who's throwing what kind of passes and uh, whose footwork looks better. I think it's easier to evaluate it at least than, say, like offensive linemen or interior defensive linemen where I think it's kind of just a guessing game. But, um, you know, you, you mentioned some of the positions, and we said it at the top. I think that strengthening the middle of the defense is going to be key. Safety, inside linebacker, five technique, all huge. Um, but I don't really think that there is a spot on this roster, a position I should say on this roster that couldn't stand to be upgraded. So it's, it's nice to hear Ryan Pace. I know most GMs in the NFL now are best available player drafters, but it's nice to hear him continue to kind of hammer that idea home. And that's why I think at least partially why you'd say a guy, uh, at quarterback couldn't be off the board, even as soon as number 11, if it's the right fit and if it's the right value. One inside linebacker to keep an eye on Antonio Morrison out of Florida, He's a good player, and he's from Bolingbrook. So there's a local connection there. So anyways, uh, stay tuned to ChicagoFootball.com all week. Arthur and and, and our Twitter accounts uh, will give you live updates, pictures, video, and everything from Mobile, Alabama. We'll be there for the practices on Tuesday and Wednesday. Arthur mentioned earlier our draft magazine hits newsstands in mid to late February, so be on the lookout for that. We're going to have a ton of draft coverage on our website. If you're unfamiliar, um, we got the music there from Dan Mott. We'll be there, of course, at the draft in Chicago. We'll be there. We'll be at Hallis Hall that week. We're going to do our own scouting reports and some guys that we think might fit the Bears. Um, we, we did some fun ones last year with some guys that uh, you, you did the Kevin White report, I remember, Arthur, last year, and he joined <laughs> Join the Bears. I look so. forward to hopefully seeing some more of that kind of college tape I watched because it was, was absolutely eye opening. And actually, it's fun. So you got white, and I took Amari Cooper, and mm-hmm. I had the same response. Watching Amari Cooper on tape was uh, that was a lot of fun. So we'll be doing that for you probably in uh, you know late March, early April once free agency uh, winds if down. If White can make the kind of impact as a sophomore that Amari Cooper made a- as a rookie, then mm-hmm. I think that the Bears' offense and and Bears fans uh, will be extremely pleased and good hands, if you will. So as as the uh, winter goes on we'll get more into draft stuff obviously when we come back from the senior bowl we'll talk super bowl we'll talk what we saw there um, but then most of february and early march when we do have podcasts we'll be talking free agency uh but today uh let's talk about what happened last week divisional round playoffs a lot of fun arthur uh i want to uh tell you what i think mike mccarthy did wrong okay he should have gone for two after the hail mary and here's the thing. The, the the people that were with me can attest. The second that Hail Mary was completed, somebody at our table said, maybe they should go for two. And I was one that said, no, 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 you got just get out of here, move on, go into overtime and do it. And, and I, I have the benefit of hindsight. I saw what happened in overtime. Obviously, they didn't get the ball. They lost. Right. But I, was, I read a great story about Bill Barnwell, who did kind of a statistical analysis of it. Coaches don't think like this. It is unconventional, and he would be torched. If they miss a two-point conversion uh, and, and lost the game, you just don't see it in the NFL. But I feel like we should get to a point now where we should start seeing teams start to think like this. And I firmly believe they should have gone for two. And you are welcome to argue with me. Very, very slowly, but surely, I think we're starting to see it. Mike Tomlin is the one name that jumps out from this past season, the first year of the extra point experiment. Tomlin went for two. I'm guessing I don't have the numbers in front of me. I'm sure, though, the Steelers led the league in two-point conversion attempts. So what would have been fascinating, excuse me, to me in this scenario is if – 
if the roles were reversed and Bruce Arians was in that position because there's not a more aggressive coach in the NFL than Bruce Arians. Just look at that second down well, pass at times. I was going to bring that up because yeah. part of Barnwell's article was explained that, that Arians, that that was the right call. And mm-hmm. I didn't necessarily agree with that. And that's where I, I, I will be more conventional and just go ahead and run the ball a few times. Um, especially in that situation. Uh, but you're right. There are teams that are doing it more often. The Packers were five for nine at two point this year. It's, I keep hearing a lot of, oh, well, the way they move the ball, they have all that momentum. If they got the ball in overtime, they would have scored. But my response says, well, if you're that confident that they would have gone 80 yards and scored in overtime, Shouldn't you be confident they could score from the two and a half yard line? Yeah, momentum and confidence—two words you would rarely use in in, in uh, a conversation with the Packers' offense this season. Right. So uh, that I think speaks to your point. You've got them on their heels. Maybe you go for it. I guess the other side of the argument is how much luck did they need to? And I I'm not trying to take anything away from Aaron Rodgers. Two of the most the best individual efforts you will ever see on a football field from Aaron Rodgers and from Jeff Janis, high pointing that touchdown. But there's a little bit of luck involved, too. So I guess the counter-argument is, had their luck ran out already, or did they have a little bit more house money to play with if they go for it down by the goal line? Like you, I didn't think about it at the time. And in hindsight, I went and read the Barnwell article. It makes some compelling arguments, but I can't fault McCarthy for the decision. Oh, no, I don't I don't fault him for it. I just would have loved to see it. And I would love for the football community to become more comfortable with these analytics. I mean, I had people, I, I, I tweeted about it and I had people coming after me on Sunday morning and every argument they said, you know, they, they were ignoring the numbers and, and, and I don't want to be too numbers happy because no, you know, sometimes you really do have to throw those things out when you have that kind of situation, but mm-hmm. you can't ignore the statistical probability of scoring when you're that close in that situation versus all the variables in play in overtime session. And, you know, but the thing is, is head coaches don't like scenarios where they have those decisions. There was a great article. I think it was, I think it was our friend, Robert Mays, friend of the program, MMQB about coaches deferring all the time, except for Bruce Arians, everybody Mm -hmm. defers. And when they changed the rule, um, years ago, there were head coaches that they didn't want another decision to have to make. These guys are so much under the microscope that it's hard for them to really revel in making some of these calls that that will that will turn a game and, it, and that are risky, even if they're the statistical reason. And I can tell you this, Arthur, you know who would have never gone for two in a million years? <laughs> uh John Fox. I, what, 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 do you mean, what do you mean statistical? <laughs> what, what do you mean the percentages? You know, so that. that um, but that was my my little rant about Packers trials. Awesome finish, though. I mean, the whole weekend. I mean, I, I liked all the games. I actually didn't watch pretty much any of Steelers Broncos. Was it good? Was it a fun game? I was at a wedding, was... which was a fun wedding. In case anybody was curious, I had a nice time, <laughs> but I didn't watch any of the game because of it. Yeah, it, it was interesting. You know, it was uh, kind of a field goal fest, obviously, and it was watching Peyton Manning try and be resourceful. Although I thought all the Twitter. Uh, you know, all the guys speaking out on Twitter saying that Peyton Manning would have been better served being on the bench. I thought that was ridiculous. Um, but there's no question that his arm strength is a is a problem at this point, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how it you know if it comes to a head this week against New England. But uh, yeah, no, it was a, a really good slate uh, of games for sure. Even you know, I didn't think Kansas City would necessarily keep it close, and obviously they, without that uh, clock management uh, miscues by Andy Reid late, another oh believe it or not, another coach struggling with decisions in high leverage situations, uh, they had a chance to win that game as well. I'm wondering, Arthur, thinking about the two-point conversion and Andy Reid's play calling and 
Pete, some of the things decisions Pete Carroll made. What if these coaches all played more video games? <laughs> and I was not really a huge Madden player growing up. I played a lot of college football games. Mm-hmm. But when you're playing a video game, you were offense heavy, and you want the ball, and, and you were much more comfortable playing offense and playing defense. And you're you you know the math, and you know how many times you want to score, and all that stuff. I'm wondering if these guys should just kind of play some video games. Let's just bring some uh, PlayStations and Xboxes to some of these guys' house. Let them play in some games because you start playing those games and you feel good moving the football. Nobody likes playing defense in a video game. Some you And, and like some to. would argue that that is exactly the problem with the NFL today is that it's too <laughs> video game oriented. But, uh, yeah, sure, if they could find a, a couple spare hours, these uh, these busy men, I guess it could serve them some good. I was not I was a Madden player when I was much, much younger, but it's been quite a while. Although I do remember having to it's be— It's too complicated. It, It's—the uh, last—I think I got—right before I started Pro Football Weekly, actually, I got Madden to help me— get used to the teams I was covering and, <laughs> and get acclimated with the NFL. I was a, obviously an NFL follower, but I wasn't covering it. So I, I got it to do that. But then there, there was too much of all. And I love the college football games, but the recruiting is like out of control uh, in those video games. So I, I admittedly stick. I just The only time I take out a video game is generally Mario Kart. Is that a part of the game? Is recruiting oh, part of it? Oh, yeah. Really? Oh, is yeah. that EA Sports too? Like the Madden, mm-hmm. not, not knockoff, but the same the franchise? Yep. Oh, oh yeah. man. That, that, you, that you give, cool you give players visits. You have... No kidding. Like, I mean, again, I haven't played in about three or four versions, but you, uh-huh. you can talk to the recruits about what you're selling at your university. Uh, it's come a long way. I used to have... I had Sega Dreamcast College Football 2K1, uh-huh. and in that one, you were given five visits a week, and you just pressed five different players to give your visits to, and that was it. And then the last one I probably played was probably College Football 2011 or 2012. And yeah, you could sit there for hours recruiting some of these guys. You guys would be sad to know that the NCAA video games, uh, the last EA one they made, I think, was in 2013. And there's been a huge push oh, that's right. to bring it back. Yeah, that's, they don't do them and, anymore. And actually, I, I think like a week ago, um, there was uh, EA put out a, uh, a preview or um, – I, I forgot what it was for. I think it was for um, uh, the, the the national title game, mm-hmm. and uh, they put out this this video, and it wound up all the all the fans of the NCAA games were freaking out, thinking this is it. EA is bringing this back, and EA quickly, you know, came out and said, "No, guys, this is just <laughs> for the title game. It's 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 just a you know a fun thing for that." But yeah, that unf- it was a fun game, and I'm it guessing was. that the drop off was because of the player likeness issues. Yeah. Uh, okay, yeah. yeah, it's kind of jogging my memory now, but I'm kind of starting to think about how much fun we could have with some of the recruiting stuff from years back. I wonder what the uh, what the U recruiting was like <laughs> as they were getting uh, you know busted. I'm, I'm I'm drawing a blank on some of the other big infractions across the country, but uh, that would be interesting. Let's uh, quickly preview these games and, and make our picks, wrap up the show this weekend. Uh, Patriots, Broncos, Brady, Manning, Belichick, Kubiak. Uh, sorry, you kind of lose your luster when you get to Kubiak. Uh, Belichick versus Wade Phillips. That's exciting. Uh, I'll throw <laughs> that one in there. Nothing against Gary Kubiak. It's just a little bit. He's done a heck of a, of a job this year. Yeah, just a little bit of a, a different luster of coach. Yep. The, the, that first drive by the Patriots. Uh, after they got that third down conversion and they just marched outfield, it was surgical. I mean, they didn't run the ball once. Brady to Edelman, Brady to Adam Dola, Brady to Gronk. And you're like, even then, I saw a great stat. I think um, Gil Brandt put this out today. The Patriots have played the number one defense in the playoffs three times with Brady. 
They're three and zero in those games, and they average thirty one points. Jeez. They find a way to do it, and I mean the Broncos. It, it, their only way they're going to win is their defense. I I just have no faith in their offense being able to, to keep up with the way New England goes. I'm picking the Patriots in this one, Arthur. What's how is, do you see this? Yeah, very similarly to you, I'm I'm picking the Patriots as well. That's an amazing stat about uh, sort of the way that they have overcome uh, the terrific defensive opponents. But I'm going to kind of go out on a limb here. I'm guessing after what we saw last week, I don't know how many rushing attempts they ended up with, but obviously it could not have been more leaning towards the pass. I'll bet you they feature the run game this week because I think the Broncos are a little bit more susceptible defensively stopping the run uh, versus that trio of Pro Bowl caliber cornerbacks, uh, obviously with Tlaib and Harris and Roby. So we'll see. I, I don't know if that'd be a case or not, but it would not surprise me at all the way that Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick are, are able to morph their game plans every week if we see a, a bigger dose of whether it's James White, Steven Jackson, Brandon Bolden, whoever they're going to pick off the street this week um, to kind of... I don't know, throw a curveball at the Broncos and Wade Phillips. So who's your pick? Uh, I like the Patriots as well. I just, you know, I'd love to see the storybook ending for Peyton Manning. But um, uh, like you said, I don't think they have the the horses really, at least the leader in terms of being able to get into a shootout or something like that. So I'm going to go with the Patriots. Damn, Matt, who's your pick in this one? I'm going to go Patriots only because it's, it makes the sense. Patriots. But I'm wondering what cheat mode the Patriots will We'll be on for that game. We'll, I guess in a couple weeks we'll find we'll out. We'll find out, yeah, when Roger Goodell decides to fabricate a uh, right. an investigation. All right, the night game, since the playoffs started, maybe since even November, I wanted to see these two teams play. That's Arizona-Carolina. I'm really excited to watch uh, similar teams with dissimilar quarterback play and the way they run their offenses. Um, I really have no idea where I'm going on this one. But it's hard not to like the Panthers, just based on the way they played last week compared to the way the Cardinals played last week. I mean, Carolina in that first half, I'm a little nervous about how they let up a bit. And let's see how they get back in that game. But holy smokes, the way they ran that offense, the way they've been playing, the stars they have on the defensive side of the ball, I'm, I'm picking Carolina. Part of me kind of wants to see Carolina go Super Bowl anyways because I think it will be entertaining. I, either one. I think it would be so much fun. I'm glad these two teams made it. Great coaches, great quarterbacks, great defenses. Um, Carson Palmer's a veteran, though. Do you side with him or you go with the young guy in Cam Newton? Yeah, I hadn't uh, really – I hadn't made a pick until right now, and I will. I'm not going to cop out, and it's going to be – in spite of the fact that I feel so silly for picking against Carolina last week, I went with Seattle. It was obviously a, just a dumb decision. And yet I'm going to double down on my stupidity right now. And I don't, it's just Larry Fitzgerald. That's all. He was the best player on the field that the Hall of Fame qualities uh, shine through. And I think against Cortland Finnegan, I think against some of the matchups that they're going to be able to create, this is obviously uh, dependent on Carson Palmer bouncing back because he didn't look like a veteran nor an MVP candidate last week. Um, but I think that somehow they find a way to get it going. And I'm going to say the Cardinals pull the upset. Plus, the Cardinals wouldn't even be here if Mike McCarthy went for two. <laughs> they wouldn't be here if Sam Shields uh, had wide receiver hands instead of defensive back hands either. He's true. pretty bad. Damn Matt, Panthers, Cardinals. I'm going with Carolina. I think that they're they're rolling. So well-oiled machine. All right, Ron Rivera, Glash Chicago connections, Greg Olson, Jared Allen. Um, I, I don't remember being. I remember the, the Greg Olson trade. I don't think, even though it didn't make a lot of sense at the time, I don't think anybody expected Greg Olson. I know the Tribune listed one of the worst trades ever from Chicago, and I get that, and he's been great, and, and it was March, Mike March being stubborn. But did anybody really think Greg Olson was going to be a player like this 
five, three years after that trade, four years after that trade. I haven't read the Tribune story yet. Is it Chicago football? Is it Chicago sports? Chi- I think it was Chicago sports trade. Uh, I just want to see the, Olsen the Lou the, Brock, Ernie Broglie. Well, yeah, I mean the whole you can go, you can go Cubs for days on that right, one. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, no, I you know there were signs. Olsen, I don't he didn't have a thousand yard season yet. He hadn't truly broken out, but uh, it was just the sort of contrarian Mike Martz who wanted to go against what everyone else was doing. Um, so yeah, I, I guess I didn't have the biggest problem about it at the time, but certainly that one has uh, come back to burn the bears. Jared Allen's not going to actually try to play on a broken foot, is he? No, he's been listed as doubtful already. Yeah. Um, which, you know, as Hub said, uh, I don't know if that's, you know, I'm not sure that's the worst thing for the Panthers, but it's a tough break for him. I feel bad for him. I know he's been chasing that Super Bowl, and uh, it's an unfortunate if it is in fact the end for him. It, it's too bad. All right, so all of us picked the Patriots. Mm-hmm. All of us picked the Panthers. Nope, I'm picking the Cardinals. Oh, I don't know why, right, but sorry. I am picking, You're picking the, Cardinals. the Cardinals. You don't know why. Yep. Um, so uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens next week. So we are. Uh, we'll, we'll, we might be off next week uh, from the podcast. We might give you a little brief uh, update from the Senior Bowl. Depends how the week goes. But again, stick to ChicagoFootball.com for all our updates from the Senior Bowl. The following week, we will have a podcast. We will preview the Super Bowl. We will recap the Senior Bowl and get you uh, set for February. We'll have a lot of coverage from the Combine, a lot of great stuff coming to you from uh, ChicagoFootball.com and this Bears podcast that we have. And we uh, thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and go ahead and leave us a rating while you're there. Uh, big thank you to our executive producer, Dan Mott, uh, Hub Arkish hanging out today, and Arthur Arkish. Be sure again to follow all of us on Twitter and all of our stuff from beautiful, sunny Mobile, Alabama next week where Arthur and I will be. I am Kevin Fishman. This has been the ChicagoFootball.com Bears podcast. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the conference championship games. We will talk to you guys soon. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.